0: Welcome to the Outer of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show. Outerlimitsradio.com I'm your host, Ryan. This is part 11 of the Death Show called Nancy's Story. Nancy had a near-death experience or she likes to refer to it as a death experience. And I feel that her story is so unusual it deserved to be in a category of it on to its own. Ever since I've met Nancy, I felt this instinctual desire to protect her and to let people know about her because they feel that her story takes away so much of the fear that we have about life and everyone can say how wonderful life is but it can also be terrifying because everyone you know eventually is going to die and if they die before you know your time how horrifying is that it's just a terrible terrible thing to go through people could say again wonderful but it's it's, it's be very depressing and terrifying and Nancy's story I think it presents a lot of light and offers a lot of insight into why things are happening the way they are Nancy is not just a person but I consider her a vortex I consider her an exit door to this reality I also consider Nancy a, a dear friend it's an honor to, to, to know her And this is the very first interview that we did two years ago. We've had her on our show three different times since then, and I encourage you to listen to all the other interviews. Let us begin tonight's program with Nancy's story. Joining us now is spiritual author Nancy Dannison. You can learn more about her by going to her website at backwardsbooks.com. She's author of three books. One of them is called Backwards, Returning to Our Source for Answers, Nancy Welcome to the program. Can you please share with our audience your near-death experience?
1: Well, Ryan, um, it took all three of those books for me to describe everything that happened to me and everything that I learned in the afterlife. I had what is researchers consider to be a transcendental experience, meaning that it was um, generalized information that I received. There was nothing really specific to my life about it.
0: Okay, so you're saying, did you you not get a past life review? Did you not get specific messages about um, your purpose here?
1: I did have a life review, and you said past life review, and that reminds me. Oh, yeah, I didn't
0: say past life review.
1: No, that was wonderful, because uh, during my life review, which, you know, it was a replay of Nancy's life up until age 43, and to me it was a little bit boring, been there, done that. At the same time, I was regaining my memories of all the other lifetimes I had lived all over the universe. So I got a past life review as well as a life review at the same time, and I found those other lives to be far more interesting. But no, I did not receive any messages specific to my life or my purpose in life. But at the end of my near-death experience, I accepted the mission to return to this life of Nancy and to share with anyone who would listen uh, everything that I had learned in the afterlife and also to experience unconditional love within this lifetime.
0: So what initially happened to you? How did you have a near-death experience? What what was the
1: uh, trigger behind it? It was an allergic reaction to a local anesthetic. I was in the hospital for uh, breast cancer surgery. And the radiologist had to – I didn't have a, a lump. Some breast cancers don't form lumps until they're, like, really, really big. Um, but they show up on mammograms. So the radiologist had to use the mammogram machine and insert a wire uh, into my breast so that the surgeon would know where to cut. And the local anesthetic that she used for that combined with very low blood sugar, I just – died (laughs) Uh, after the radiologist left and the radiology technician they left to get the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh set of films developed and i was sitting there by myself and i just left my body and the first thing i said was cool i didn't know you could do that
0: (laughs) do you so did you Did you float outside your body, look down your body and see a tunnel and start going up to light? Because that's what we've heard, I guess, is a common theme. Was that the same thing that happened to you?
1: No, I was standing in front of my body and it was dark. It was a void, but it wasn't a scary void. And I said to myself, oh, I know what this is. I'm supposed to go into the light. And the moment I thought light, the light came to me and I was in it. And I spent a lot of time by myself, in the light, feeling this incredible love just percolating through every cell of my being. And I was boomeranging love back to the source of this bliss and and acceptance, just complete and total acceptance of me and everything I'd ever done. And while that was going on, I was getting downloads of information on all kinds of topics, um, that seem to be unrelated, you know, like about time and about science things, about um, mental illness, um, different areas of psychology. So, I don't remember all the different topics.
0: What was the most compelling thing that you downloaded, especially when it – at, at
1: this point in the near-death experience, the most compelling thing was the information that I am not a human. I'm not a human being, that humans are animals that are indigenous to planet Earth, and that what I am was a, is a spiritual being that inhabited the human. And what I was thinking at the time was kind of like invasion of the body snatchers, <laughs> but it's not, it's not really bad. It's, you know, what we call soul is our true person, our true personality, our true identity. The human body is just, um, a very generous and giving animal that accepts us living inside it.
0: I'm just sorry, can you please re- re- just can you please explain a little further? So the human being, you're talking about humanity itself, is what a collective soul group and that there are individuals who are taking on the role of a human being? No. Or something, is it? You...
1: Okay. Um, I While I was in the afterlife, I learned a completely new to me way of looking at God, myself, life, everything. It was a new cosmology. I had grown up in Catholic schools. I had 12 years of Catholic education, six years of Methodist college. And so I had the, you know, the the Christian viewpoint on everything. While I was in the afterlife, however, I learned that everything I had been taught in school and in my religion was completely wrong. And I was given a new, simpler, far more loving, far more comforting explanation of life, and what it revolves around is that, you know, the, the God that we have always had in our religions is very human-like. Uh, he is male and is separate from us and believes, be, behaves a lot like a human. You know, can be loving at one moment and judging and, uh, at another, and that God has been created in the image of mankind. The God that I met and merged into was more like an energy field. So I don't even call it God. I call it source. And that energy field, that source, created the universe within its own mind. It's called manifesting. The source manifested the universe and populated it with planets and stars and Creatures and things and plants and animals, you know, just everything that we can observe in the physical universe was, is manifested, meaning that it exists solely in the mind of the source, and it's very similar to how dreams live in our own minds. Then, source, in order to experience what was going on in that imagined universe, Created individual personalities in its mind. I call them characters. And they're just like characters in a novelist's mind. And each character is unique and has character traits just like the source. And some character traits that the source doesn't have but can imagine. And each character is one of us. So we are mental characters in source's mind Source then invests his, its own awareness, consciousness into physical matter through these mental characters. The same way that when we're d- dreaming, you know, we always, we're inside the dream. We're inside one of the characters in the dream watching it, interacting, right? Source did that a, a bazillion times or an infinite number of times, putting its own awareness inside various bits and pieces of the universe so that it could experience physical matter and everything that happens in the physical matter universe.
0: So and, okay, go ahead, go ahead.
1: <laughs> one less piece then um, other than mental characters, there you know, I needed a way to describe um, the life of one of these mental characters um, entering into physical matter. And when near-death experiencers go into the light and they see beings of light, or sometimes it's called beings, beings of energy or angels or whatever, those are the mental characters. Um, so I call them beings of light. And each being of light is a character within Source's mind. It's just Source's awareness, self-awareness. Each light being can... Put some yeah. of its energy its awareness its consciousness into a physical matter like a human the rest of us stays in the afterlife Part of it goes into a human the part that goes into a human is what we call soul okay. that, That's the so, structure of the cosmology I was given
0: so Are human beings? Creations of the light beings that come from the source source creates light beings light beings and they create humans
1: No, source created the entire universe, including the humans within it. Okay. Then it created the light being mental characters within its own mind. And each light being, each one of us, we're all light beings, and part of us is inside a human animal. We got to choose where we wanted to incarnate and how and how often and into what.
0: For what purpose?
1: For source to be able to experience emotionally and intellectually and every other way, everything that it could imagine, but couldn't experience directly because of its size and the magnitude of energy that it has. And the fact that some of the things that we experience in human life, source could never do in a million years. It's just not capable of doing some things like many of the things that we call evil. Source is not capable of doing that. But it can imagine a mental character that I call a light being who can put part of its awareness inside a human, and that human can do horrific things.
0: Well, why would it want to do that? Why would it want to experience that?
1: Curiosity.
0: Creativity.
1: So,
0: you know what? It's just correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like... All of humanity, all of life is kind of like a tentacle for this source and that we exist for its amusement. Our experiences really have no meaning that we're just there as tentacles to feel out something that the source created. I mean, is that, is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> truth is truth.
1: I wouldn't call it tentacles so much um, because everything exists solely as a thought and source is mine. All of the universe, all of us, everything that happens. Um, No, I don't believe the universe was and creation was for souls uh, for sources amusement. Um, My understanding of the source, as I was merging into it, was that before creation, it was alone, and it had explored everything that it could explore about itself.
0: Can you and pause for a second? What else? What? How did? It, what did it explore about itself?
1: Explored its intellectual abilities, uh, its curiosity. Um, I don't really remember that much about what it was like to be sourced before creation. yes okay. some, some parts of what I experienced in the afterlife, I remember a lot about. And some parts I don't remember much at all. And but
0: I'm, did you? Sorry. Did you sense that source was? the only thing that it could fathom was that it actually existed were there other sources that were out there?
1: I couldn't tell. I got the impression that perhaps there were other entities like our source or maybe that our source was part of a larger entity. I couldn't tell whether it didn't know or it was too complicated for me to understand or I'm not remembering it right. So, I'm not sure about that, but I am sure that this, and I, I experienced being Source. I remember being Source before creation and feeling, I guess, what a human would call lonely. And so, Source created this universe, and it's one of many. This is not the only universe that's ever created, there will be others after this one collapses, but it created universes in order to imagine what it would be like to have someone to interact with. And it has the ability to give amnesia. It can create these mental characters and give them amnesia so that they don't know that they're really just Source. Just like with our dream characters. You know, we have dream characters. They don't know that they're just us sleeping beings, you know, thinking about them. Um, So, and then Source learns what it's like to have interactions and to learn things and to explore and to be surprised and to love and to create and to have someone to love.
0: During this period of time when you're engaging with Source, do you understand why people kept on reincarnating? Was there a specific purpose behind it what seemed to be a, a, a internal cycle of reincarnation
1: yes um, we there are three different reasons why we light beings souls um, incarnate into physical matter um, when we first enter the incarnation phase of eternal life we are most likely going to study a topic that we have chosen something that is unique to the creature that we're inhabiting. Let's say, for example, we've decided to inhabit humans, and humans have a unique characteristic of um, self-delusion. So we might want to study all aspects of self-delusion or greed or guilt or any of the other things that humans experience, and so we will – Incarnate into a, a human life where we will experience that, that topic or that theme we selected, and then we will keep incarnating over and over and over again into lives where we can experience that same topic or that same theme and see it from all different angles. Let let's say we'll take guilt. One life will will be guilty of something. We'll feel guilt for our entire life, and another lifetime we may impose guilt on somebody else. In another lifetime, we may be the parent of a child that imposes guilt on other people. Or next one would be a parent of a child that makes us feel guilty as a parent. Or next lifetime, we may be a teacher or spouse or, you know, every conceivable way of looking at that topic of guilt, every kind of experience you can have. Will be pa- this, uh, will be part of our study. I mean, incarnate until we get all 360 degrees of that perspective.
0: But do we have to? Do we? Is there a choice? Do do spirits have to experience that? Do we? Do no. the spirits say, "Listen, I'm not going to do it," and just? There are ab- and,
1: well, yeah, there are absolutely light beings that have never incarnated.
0: Well, can. Say for example, you know, you want to experience the physical, but you don't want to experience the pain. If can you come down and specifically do that? And what's the difference if a spirit goes through that and doesn't go through that? Does it, does it make the spirit who goes through the pain more evolved or higher evolved?
1: No, you can't be any more evolved than being part of Source. Okay, we, we start out at the highest. You're know, at the epitome of evolution.
0: You're, you're, at, the, you're, you know, you're at the highest <laughs> point. Yeah. But I, you know, with that being said, I it makes you really wonder. What's the purpose of doing anything? What's I mean, you know, they're saying, well, try to be a good person. Well, why? What if you know, maybe you're just supposed to be a bad person because, hey, guess what? This is part of, this is part of your your purpose. You know, what's the point of, what's the point of going um towards the light or going away from the light? I just don't understand how that has any relevance to your impact if you are source. What's the purpose of doing anything?
1: The purpose is to explore its imagination and creativity. And see what these things feel like. Like it can intellectually imagine all kinds of things. And that's what it did before it created, started creating universes. But it, you know, reading a book about being a cowboy is completely different than being a cowboy and experiencing a cowboy's life. So the purpose is to get the richness, the fullness of understanding about a particular topic. And I know it's very difficult from the human perspective to understand why anybody would want to come into a life where there's going to be pain and, and heartache. All I can tell you is that once we're out of these bodies, that's not important to us anymore. Like a human life is like two seconds long. Once we're out of these bodies, cause there's no time. So I, I mentioned before, there are three reasons why we may incarnate One's to study a theme the second is to be here to perform an important task for somebody else who's incarnated. Let's say uh, we agreed in the afterlife that we would incarnate with one of our close friends and come into this life and save our friend from an accident that would have made him a quadriplegic. So we will inc- incarnate and live, you know, 83 years of human life for five seconds worth of purpose of pulling our friend out of the, out of the way of a car so they won't be injured and made a quadriplegic to us. It's worth it because the amount of love that we feel when we're not in these bodies is, is overwhelming. The third reason we might incarnate is just to be here as a support person for somebody who's new to incarnation. So we may come into a life to be somebody's mother and our only purpose is to be somebody's mother. And we do that because we have so much love for the person we're incarnating with.
0: The question I want to ask is how do you know what your purpose is? How do you engage and try to find what, what your true purpose? Is?
1: You're not supposed to know. No. You know. No, because it would make you make decisions that you might not otherwise have made and instead of letting life unfold automatically. And we can't, if we have a purpose, we can't miss it. I mean, the things that we are supposed to be doing in this life will be presented to us, and we will do them. So you can't get off your path, or and there's no need to figure out your purpose.
0: It's just going to happen no matter what.
1: It's going to happen no matter what. And most of life doesn't have any purpose at all. Like, you know, unless you're engaged in an activity that's part of studying your theme – or you're doing the thing you came here to to do for a friend, or you're being the support person. The rest of your life has no meaning at all, other than just see what it's like to be a human. Wow. I know, and so, that's mind blowing.
0: No, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like it, do, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't really. It's, it's I mean, it just seems like you know, whatever matter what you do, it doesn't matter. What that's about her, um? We've had other people we've interviewed about near death experiences, and they say, well. When they've shown love to people, that's what's counted. That's what's most important. Is that, does that, resonate with you at all? Or is that is it important to the source that it, you know, people who've gone through life and have shown love and compassion towards one another?
1: No, because source is innately unconditionally loving and we as parts of source are innately unconditionally loving. We know what love feels like. We feel it in the, you know, in the afterlife. We don't have to have an experience in physical matter that has anything to do with love. What we're doing in physical matter is feeling all the things that aren't unconditional love. We're feeling conditional love and rejection and and all, just all kinds of other things. Like The purpose of living in physical matter is to experience the things the source cannot feel innately. So okay. does, does it make a difference whether you are loving toward other people? Absolutely. Your physical life will be far happier if you are a loving person and a giving person. But is it going to make any difference in the afterlife? No.
0: Okay. And did you ever experience anything in the afterlife about people who mistreated others? Is there a hell?
1: Is there a heaven and a oh. hell? Well, I watched... You know, I was. I remember being sourced before the universe was created, and I remembered as, and relived creation of this universe. And what I witnessed was that there is no hell. There was no hell before this universe was created. There's no hell that's part of this universe.
0: Well, yet people have reported going to a place where there's demonic entities and they're on fire, and they and we we've heard about it from countless times. What are those people experiencing?
1: What they are, as it was explained to me, Mm. you know, I I told you the source manifested the physical universe in its Mm. mind. It's completely real when we're inside humans. To source, it's completely a dream. Each of us is part of source. We have the ability to manifest physical reality, and that's what we're experiencing when we're in human bodies. We're manifesting our lives as we go along, moment by moment. It's slower. The process is slower when we're inside a body. Once we get out of a body, we instantly manifest what humans are used to as physical reality. So if you leave your body in a near-death experience and for whatever reason something frightened you or the idea pops into your mind about there being a hell or if you're afraid of damnation or you've got religious beliefs that just... Pop in your mind suddenly, you can create that thing you fear, that hell, that religious retribution, and it will be completely real for a little while. It won't stay. Like if you, if those people had continued on into the afterlife, because these, these apparitions, these manifestations take place before they enter the light. If they had entered the light and gone on through the you know, the afterlife crossing over process, those hellish environments would have disappeared.
0: Okay. Well, what do you, what about some of the people we've had interviews with other near-death people have had near-death experiences and they say they have actually have met God. They've talked to God or, or and they've seen God as a beautiful ray of light and all conditioning, all loving. What are those people experiencing? If they're experiencing a, con- a conversation with God, like the way two people would be having a discussion that there's, that there is a higher intelligence and they, they do feel like they're created. Is that something that is uh, that originates from their mind that gets translated on a magnified scale when they have passed?
1: No, um, I, you know, I can't get inside them and, and tell you know what what was really happening through their experience. But in my experience, I um, was able to access what I call universal knowledge. It just dropped into my mind. Uh, I could focus my attention on anything and everything there is to be known about that subject would enter into my mind. But I was also very familiar with the afterlife process. You know, I recognize things as they happen. Somebody who doesn't remember that much about the afterlife while they're in there will have experiences that will be more comfortable for what, for them and for what they're used to. So they will have human-like experiences. They will see human-like environments. They will see human-like spirits, angels, light beings, whatever, who will then give them universal knowledge through conversation. But It doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can access universal knowledge just mentally. You don't need the the physical embodiment there talking to you. But that's a much easier way um For the information to be delivered, um, if if you don't if you don't like automatically understand what's going on and know where you are and what to do, like I did.
0: Okay, when somebody, a human being, calls out to God, what exactly is happening during that situation? Because if Source is all things. How does, is that a piece of source calling upon source to to help itself out? I'm kind of curious how that whole thing works.
1: Yeah, you're you're praying to yourself.
0: You're praying to yourself. And miracles sometimes happen. why would source decide to offer its energy towards creating something that defies the laws of physics, say, for example, to help out one piece of its light, of frequency, and not do the same for another piece of its light?
1: Each of us is part of source and we each have the ability to manifest what humans experience as physical reality, including miracles. We can each create miracles. We're doing it for ourselves. Now, one thing I did notice while I was in the afterlife and since I've been back in this body is groups of light beings will go together to um, affect a goal. So like, for example, there's, what I call all those who are interested in earth, which is a group of all the light beings who are interested in the planet earth. And they maintain the manifestation of this physical planet. So you can get a group of light beings together and ask them to help you create a result to manifest something into physical life that to a human looks like a miracle. So it, to me it's worthwhile to pray to the people in the afterlife who love you And ask them to help you manifest and they will do it
0: you know so say for example you want to improve your health you want to increase your ability to be more receptive not only to financial abundance but abundance of health abundance of just joy of living you can call upon spirits who have departed who have or in the physical or in the non-physical as well as the source itself
1: yes with a caveat What we, what we manifest into physical life is what we need in order to meet our purpose for incarnating. We can't, spiritual beings have no interest whatsoever in wealth. And unless you happen to have, you know, the theme of, you know, what's it like to be a wealthy, Uh, blind person, for example, Um, if wealth isn't necessary for you to perform your task or for you to study your theme, it is of absolutely no interest or importance to Source or the rest of its light beings. And so you will not manifest wealth into your life.
0: You know, I'm curious as to why more people on the planet Aren't wealthier or don't have a firmer grasp on finances because if you have wealth and you're in a physical body, you can do so many things, you can experience so many things. And I'm just curious as to you ever got an idea as to why there isn't more positive messages being pushed out about wealth? Because I think wealth is fantastic, and I wish more people could manifest that.
1: Well, just like I told you, in the spiritual world, it, it, of- it has no no relevance, no importance at all.
0: Did you perceive other galaxies that were not based in physical? Did you perceive other types of existences or dimensions where the existence was not based in one where one had to take on a physical body or take on something physical in order to exist?
1: No. No, I I didn't learn anything about anything like that.
0: Okay. So as far as human beings go, do we just keep on going and keep on reincarnating and experiencing this? And say, for example, we experience all there is to know. At what point do we stop? And I guess there's another part to this question. If we're all source, wouldn't everyone pretty much be on the same projected path? Wouldn't, if evolution was going to stop at one particular point, would that be because all of, all of humanity has, has stopped? And I'm asking this because it would seem that some souls would progress faster than others or have a greater interest in evolving faster than others. But a source is source and we are all one, at what point does the one, the source, say, okay, we're done with this, let's move on to the next one. And also, the souls that have been more progressive in their evolution, what happens to them when they're waiting for the rest of humanity or the rest of the souls to kind of catch up.
1: Okay. If I, if I could remember everything you just said, it was just so wonderful. it's a
0: long question.
1: But I wish I had it in writing so I could look at it, in pieces. Um, I did learn in the afterlife that we incarnate at our own choice. We can start it anytime. We can suspend it temporarily anytime. We can stop at any time. We do not have to incarnate. It's completely the individual. Character, light being within source's mind, choice. Reincarnation is a stage of the afterlife. It takes place in the stage of eternal life that we call heaven. It's where near-death experiencers visit when they have near-death experiences. After we've completed the incarnation phase of eternal life, we leave that behind. We leave that quote, heaven, close quote, behind and move into the next phase of eternal life, which I did. And in that phase of eternal life, we no longer even think of ourselves as beings. We exist solely as mental energy. And we have the ability to literally merge our energy into the energy of other light beings and experience their eternal life, as well as all the physical lives they've ever lived. And we can experience those lives as though we are them or as though we are us looking out through somebody else's eyes. And so I spent quite a bit of time in my afterlife experience doing that, merging in. I had five light being friends, my eternal friends that, that I met there. And I merged into each one of them one at a time and lived various pieces and parts of the physical lives that they had lived. And then I merged into like two of them at a time and three of them at a time and five of them at a time. And I was, it was my understanding while I was doing this that I had to get used to what it was like to feel like part of a merged body of energy before I could move into the next phase of eternal life, which is awakening as source, merging into the source's main ball of energy for lack of a better term. And I did that. I started moving through, you know, there's no real words for it. Let's call it an aura or a corona or layers of energy where I awakened more and more and remembered more and more. And I, that's when I saw a creation. And it's when I remembered being Source before I created the 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 universe. And I got better explanations of all the things I'd learned earlier in my afterlife experience. And I became aware that I have never been separate. I have always been source. I have never been alone. I've always been loved. It was all an illusion that I chose and that I love myself so much I was willing to allow myself to have amnesia and to have these experiences. And part of the, the benefit of having all these physical experiences is the richness of comparison. When you are innately, unconditionally loving, you can't really appreciate how truly magnificent that feeling is Unless you've experienced rejection, and really? so all these comparisons—I was able to make all these comparisons and understand that I did this to and for myself. And it was right after that point that I—I I said to myself, "Well, why did anybody tell me this before?" You know, I mean, I'm not a stupid person. I could have understood all this. You know, why did my religion feed me this whole big line of, of you know, religious tenets that none of which appeared to be true? And I was angry. And I said, well, you know, if I would known this stuff, I would have lived Nancy's life a whole lot differently. And the next thing I know, I'm on my way back to my body with this mission to tell everybody what I learned in the afterlife because
0: you know, I thought it was important <laughs> when I look, I mean the way you described religion do you ever sense that source used religion as a way of pranking itself or could religion be part of a self-destructive aspect of source that it wasn't aware of because when you think about some of the things that religion does or even some of the other activities that engage or provoke a negative reaction I wonder why that would would darkness need to be a part of source
1: well source did sort of had, had nothing to do with creation of religion. It's not a prank on itself or I can't remember the other thing you said. Um, the creative process, the creation of the universe, the way source did it was it expended the mental energy, but then didn't control the outcome. Like it created, it sent out this huge volume of, of mental energy and, You know, what I'm envisioning is kind of like uh, when a sun um, flare comes off the sun, you know, solar flare comes off, like a big burst of mental energy, and created laws or what we call scientific laws, you know, the law of cohesion of molecules and gravity, and um, I can't remember some of the other laws that that I learned about in the afterlife, but created all these principles for how the... Mental energy would interact in order to form physical matter, but then didn't itself create specific things. Like it didn't create any planets or stars or human beings or rocks or trees or anything else. That was all formed through the process of chemical interactions and biologic processes. And one of the, you know, end results after millions and millions of years was humans. Humans are physical animals that live on earth that have their own personalities, their own emotions, their own thought processes, and it was those characteristics of humans that created religion. Humans, unfortunately, because of the survival instinct, have a lot of fear and One of the ways that humans learned to control fear was to think that, um, they could appease the things they were afraid of. Like, there were wind gods and sun gods, you know, you remember reading about that in school. Mm -hmm. And humans thought, well, if I make sacrifices, you know, if I give fruits and vegetables to the sun god, you know, I'll have a good crop. You know, it was superstition mixed with fear. That gave humans the idea that, you know, if they appeal to these all-powerful gods the same way they would to another human, that maybe they will gain some favor. And then religion just got more and more sophisticated after that. I actually saw the entire history of the development of religions while I was in the afterlife. That's what my third book is about. It's about that, like, documentary vision that I had. Mm
0: Does it eventually leave? It eventually kind of humans kind of leave behind.
1: What does man leave religion behind?
0: Yeah. did you, did you see the future of it? The, I did, I saw the
1: future, but I don't remember anything because I didn't have any idea it was ever coming back here.
0: <laughs> no. Did you see yourself evolving on other planets as well? I mean, and also, did you see did you see other beings that were would be considered of higher intelligence or a higher frequency than human beings?
1: Yes, I had lives, I saw and remembered every moment of lives I had on other planets and all kinds of other places in the universe, you know, there's gaseous substances and in- inorganic materials and all other kinds of creatures, and yes, humans are toward the lower intelligence end of the creatures in the universe.
0: Okay, so basically... If- so you know what, then I, then I have something to work with. I was going to go back to it. I was like, what's the purpose? Can individual beings of light, people, the spirits, reincarnate, humans, if you progress and move along your evolution, can you reach these other levels of existence where you are able to take on more intelligence or able to have more freedom to move around and not be bound by the fear or the restrictions that you would find in the human body?
1: Okay, The idea of evolution is a human-created concept. There is no evolution where you, where on a spiritual level, you know, we start out as thoughts and sources, mind. We are always thoughts and sources, mind. We have been, always will be, source. You can't get any higher than that. You can't evolve higher than that. You start out at the highest level. If what you want to do is um, inhabit more intelligent creatures in the universe, you just decide to do it. Incarnation is all choice. You don't have to successfully master being in a tree before you can be in a human. You don't have to successfully master being in a human before you can be in a much more intelligent creature in another part of the universe. You just you just incarnate into whatever you want.
0: So if you have all this freedom and choice, can a uh, individual human or spirit just Change things and actually reverse time and actually go back in time to change things. I think it's just something that people talked about saying, you know, if I can only go back in time and do things or effectively really change things, if you become more one with the Source and recognize that you are the Source, can you have that power to change things and change uh, even things in your own life?
1: You don't awaken to the fact that you're Source until you have finished eternal life. Um, no we do not have the power to go back in what humans consider to be linear time and change things yes we absolutely can change our lives from this moment forward We, uh, we manifest every single moment of our lives all we have to do to change it is consciously manifest instead of manifesting unconsciously from all of our emotional and and um, thought and belief baggage.
0: Okay. And final question I have for you, Nancy. By the way, this has been a very fascinating interview, and I'm just so thankful that we had a chance to speak. What would you give? To sorry, What advice would you offer someone who is experiencing the loss and has lost someone? Somebody who's gone on from the physical to the non-physical what advice would you offer them to, to kind of just make them feel better or at least understand what's happened?
1: What got me through, I had um, three loved ones die in a one-month period. They oh, were three, three of my closest relatives. Um, and what got me through it was the knowledge that we're all within Source's mind. I'm there. My loved ones are there. I can communicate with them anytime I want and I taught myself how to do that. Mostly it occurs through dreams because we get out of body during some of what we call dreaming. It's easier to communicate with with you know the non physical when we're out of body. But I taught myself to ask my loved ones to come here and let me feel their love. And they do that. And, and I taught myself to ask my parents to take away the pain when it gets too bad. And I do. And they do. They take away my pain when I can't bear it anymore. So I can experience my loved ones around me. And so can you. So can anyone else. It just takes a little bit of concentration and meditation and making the direct appeal to our loved ones in the afterlife saying please let me feel you let me see you let me know you now when I need you and they will do it.
0: Wow. Miss Nancy Daddison I want to thank you so much to learn more about Miss Daddison Please go to our website at backwardsbooks.com. There's three great books. And I just want to tell you that we just really enjoyed having you. It was really wonderful.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity.
0: Okay, everyone. That concludes Part 11 of The Death Show. Special thanks to our beloved guest, Miss Nancy Dannison. The next show we have is actually going to focus on after-death communication, communication with spirits. So We hope you continue to listen to that. To learn more about the Outer Limits, Seventy Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick VR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based
1: clients. Goldman McCormick PR, also a specialist in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check
0: out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information.